Shalom Mishpacha. Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall is separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpacha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to understand that it's possible to have nine children and not be mashuga. Uh, that means crazy, because my guest, John Waller, just had his ninth child. John, how in the world did you have such, and I'll, I'll name one of your songs, such crazy faith as to have nine children? Wow. Uh you know, if you'd have told me uh, two years ago that I'd have nine children, I, I would have told you you're crazy. Uh, we went from five children to nine in one year. Uh, now, I believe in miracles, but you're stretching my faith a little bit, John. <laughs> Except I know how you got it. You adopted some but We'll get into that uh, in just a little while. Uh, but for those that aren't familiar with you, because you've been a guest before, but many are not that familiar, um, when you were just 12 years of age, uh, your your mother suffered with depression, your grandmother suffered with depression, and uh, you had a crush on a girl, and boom, it was over. And so that was the end of your life, and you got a little depressed, which, of course, is natural for a 12-year-old, uh, but they ship you off to the doctor, and in 30 minutes, uh, what does the doctor say to you? Uh, I remember the words, he's got it. You know, that was the words my mom said. The doctor said those very words. Uh, diagnosed me with, uh, they called it manic depression back then. It's later called bipolar disorder. Uh, yeah, but the Bible, uh, the biblical understanding is it's a word curse. Three generations, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay, so what did they? How did they treat you? Well, I remember him pulling out his uh, prescription pad, and and he wrote a prescription and, and handed it to me, and um, and for the next twenty years, I was on you know every you know medication that came out to try to treat the symptoms of a deeper problem. Uh, of course, it never never really worked. You know, the medication would only deal with symptoms of, of really numbing you, but but there was a deeper issue that I didn't understand what it was. Okay, you were raised Baptist, but at age 17, you went away on a retreat. And I'll tell you, at 17, as the Bible says, I didn't know my left hand from my right hand coming from a Jewish background, but there are a lot of Christians uh, at least call themselves Christians, that don't understand the Bible. But you had a life-changing experience at this retreat when you were 17. Uh, briefly, what happened? Well, you know, I was ra raised in church, and uh, but I, I just understood for the first time, um, you know, the gospel, the good news of, uh, of Christ and, and what he did for me and, and, and that following him, it was more than just, you know— I, Walking down an aisle, praying a you know a prayer uh, from a evangelism track, you know a form prayer, and being baptized. It was 
it was deciding that you know I'm going to repent of my sins and I'm going to follow follow this Jesus, and um, and that's what I decided to do at 17 that that I wanted to repent, turn from my sin, and truly follow Jesus. I, uh, you know, a, a term that a lot of people don't like, but it's biblical, is you died to self. Right. You for, you had that realization as opposed to uh, live for me, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and and then at 19, you had a life-changing dream. What was that? Well, I remember um, uh, I heard a song on the radio by an artist by the name of Stephen Curtis Chapman. And in that moment when I heard the song, I just told the Lord, Lord, if I could do one thing in this life, uh, it would be to put to music, you know, the life-changing truths uh, of your word uh, and, and, and impact people the way uh, this this man, Stephen Curtis Chapman, had impacted me through his music. Um, just taking the truth of, of a, you know, and then taking, you know, just real experiences of life, of walking with Jesus, and put it to song in a way that it comes alive and it just changes people's lives and it changes the, the course that they're on. And that's what, I, what that music did for me, and I wanted to do the same thing. And I felt like God, you know, confirmed to me, yes, you know, this is the desire of your heart. It's there because I've given it to you. You know, now walk in it. Okay, John, you're married. Uh, yeah, and now... Nine children later, uh, which when we started the show, I said, oh, hey, how does I can't even fathom nine children uh, and uh, circumstances dictated you should not have nine children, uh, but you didn't go by circumstances. Tell me about the song Crazy Faith. I love I love the title. You know, um, we, we're all called to live by faith. You can't please God unless except by faith. And and I've you read throughout Scripture, and, and all the our favorite characters of the Bible were called to live by faith. They were called to live beyond their means, beyond their their giftings, beyond their resources. And and you know, God called my wife and I to live by faith. We had no idea what we were getting into. Uh, a few years ago, as, as I began to learn about the blessings. In the Old Testament, uh, the Hebraic blessings, and you know, I, I began to um, pray these over my family, pray these over my my children and my wife. And one of the blessings I prayed over my wife is, is that she would be fruitful, that God would bless the fruit of her womb. You know, little little did I know what what I was getting myself into by praying that. But but you know, we you know, my wife told the Lord, you know, who am I to dictate, you know, how many children we're to have, and 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 so she said, Lord, I give you my womb, and so. Um, you know, and part of that has been biological children. We have six biological children. We just just had our our, our newborn uh, a week ago. Uh, his name's Israel, um, but we've also adopted three children um, from abroad. And God's given us a heart for the orphan. So uh, it is crazy, and God has provided for us in ways that I can't I, blow me away. But, but but you know what? If it isn't crazy faith, it's not normal faith. If it's not normal faith, it doesn't spend in heaven. I pray that everyone listening to us right now has, uh, I'm going to use the Hebrew word, mashugana faith, crazy faith.
was Crazy Faith by John Waller. I want you to have his two CDs and a special brand new DVD from the It's Supernatural studio available for a gift of $45 because there is a special portal from heaven. It, it literally comes through every fiber of John's DNA to get rid of depression. 
to actually, it, it, it's sort of just like uh, King Saul called for David. Well, the anointing wasn't strong enough on David to get rid of the demonic stuff going on with King Saul, but it's strong enough on John Waller as a new covenant man. And I believe that many are going to be set free because of that special portal of deliverance on his music, available for a gift of $45. Call our order-only line. 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. I want to find out the supernatural things God did for you to adopt your children. Mm. Well, you know, we had been—I had desired to adopt uh, for as long as I can remember— and my wife uh, was not quite on that same page because, you know, we were having children. And um, and I knew I didn't have to convince her. I knew if, if, it, if it was God, he would show and reveal that to her in his timing. Uh, well, after Josiah was born, our, our fifth child, um, all of a sudden <clears throat> she had this desire to adopt. And she told me. And I said, well, we're not getting any younger. Uh, we need to pray. And so we decided to pray uh, intensely. We decided to fast and pray for seven days. In the middle of this fast, um, I actually go out of town and do a concert, and um, and I'm signing autographs at the, at the at the table after the concert. And a little girl comes up to me and asks me to sign her name on the CD, and she said her name was Anna. And so I wrote the name Anna. And as I'm writing this, God speaks to me with this, you know, not out loud, but in my spirit. And says, "That's your daughter's name," and I immediately start questioning: Is this my in my head? Is this God? Uh, the next day, uh, my wife—I'm back home. My wife's reading the Bible. I look down; she's reading this one paragraph about the prophetess Anna, and uh, I just look down and see the name. I said, "That's weird." Hmm. And so I tell my wife uh, uh, about what what had happened the day before, and and then the next night I had a dream, and and in this dream I'm in an orphanage with all these uh, older kids. Now we had decided. Uh, backing up a little bit, we decided we were going to adopt in China. We were gonna, uh, a, a girl, a Chinese girl between the ages of three and five. Um, we'd already uh, put some money down with an adoption agency, but um, the Lord had other plans. I, I, I dream one night that I'm meeting all these older kids in an orphanage, and they're all meeting me. And I see this little girl out of the corner of my eye, and she's sit, sitting there by herself. She's got her her hairs kind of in her face. And her skin is really pale and almost porcelain looking. Uh, she looks about to be about seven years old. And um, I ask her what her name is, and she said her name was Anna. And I'm thinking in my dream, that's that's her, that's my daughter. But I'd already had this n- name in my head, so so it wasn't surprising that you know this girl in my dream would say Anna. But um, we were thinking, you know, that the oldest we would adopt would be five, a five-year-old. And I'm thinking in my, you know, this girl looks like she's about seven. And I ask her how old she is, and she says, I'm 10 years old. And uh, and I knew I was looking at my daughter, but, you know, she didn't look Chinese. She looked Eastern European. And then my, my mother showed up in the dream. Who um, my, my mother actually passed away uh, shortly after we aired uh, my last program with you guys when I was on the show. Um, my mom passed away not long after that, the day after Josiah was born in the same hospital. And... Uh, 
And so my mom showed up in the dream, and I and I embraced my mom. I'm, I'm hugging her. I'm crying. And I said, Mom, I think I just met my daughter. And then I wake up, and I tell my wife about <clears throat> this dream. And, um, and within two days, we, we found out about a hosting program for orphans from Ukraine. And I found a picture of Anna. And she was nine years old at the time. And by the time we adopted her, uh, she was 10 years old. And, um, and Now, did she look like the girl in your dream? Oh, it was she, exactly. She's the girl. As I tell people, she's the girl of my dreams. My goodness. That, it must have been so important to God to put on your heart to adopt, then put it on your wife's heart to adopt, give you the name, give you her face before you even saw her picture. Um, So I I guess it was a no contest. You knew that was your daughter. Was it difficult to get her? You know, um, when we found out about her and we decided to host her, um, the Lord... Of course, he didn't tell me ahead of time because he knew it would it would uh, probably scare me. But uh, she came with a brother, you know, who was 14 years old at the time, and we would have to host them both together because they they couldn't be separated. And and so we hosted both of them, you know. And we were we were it took crazy faith for us just just to host them, um, you know. Call so, so how does this work? You host them, and then you decide if you're going to adopt them. It, it's very difficult for older orphans to get adopted. You know, most people, if they want to want to adopt, they want to adopt a young child because um, people are afraid of older orphans. They're afraid of what what baggage they might come with and issues they might have. And and so, the, you know, the um, the hosting program. There's quite a few of them out there. One, the one we went through is called Project 143, and you can host them for a summer or during this uh, uh, winter break uh, for four to seven weeks. And that way you get to spend time with this child and you get to get to know them. Um, and, of course, about 85% of these kids end up getting adopted by their host families. And so we hosted them for a whole summer. We, we fell in love with them. Uh, we started our paperwork paperwork immediately to adopt them. Um, and it, what was crazy, even crazier about it, is that um, a month before we were to go over there and pick them up, go to the court, and, and they were to become ours, we found out they had a third, uh, there was a third sibling, a sister, 13 years old, separated from from them for seven years in a, in a different orphanage. Um, and we found out about her. We ended up going over there and meeting her. And we, uh, long story short, we adopted all three of them. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, were you in any way blessed financially at that point to have your family grow with three young kids like that? Well, we um, we knew we, we we didn't have money going into this. We like, Lord, if you're in this, then then you're going to provide everything we need. You know, I, I just believe there's God has a special incentive plan for those who would who would care for orphans, and um, and so I began to the three um, older orphans from Ukraine. Did they speak English at least? Uh, two of them spoke. Uh, the, the oldest Max speaks pretty good English. The youngest, Anna, she spoke a little bit. Ola didn't speak one word of English, um, uh, but, you know, she does now. Um, but, man, God provided for us. Uh, you know, we had raised uh, over $30,000. We were ready to go get them. You know, at the last minute, we you know, we get another $5,000. I'm like, wow, Lord, I don't even think we need this. Um and then uh, we had the opportunity to take our whole family to Ukraine for a month because God went above and beyond 
of what we needed, and he gave us a desire of our heart to actually take our family with us and not leave our kids behind for a whole month. So it was amazing how he provided. Um, I, I understand that Anna was praying for years for a forever family. Yeah. You know, uh, Anna, Anna, uh, we call her Anna, but uh, some people call her Anna. But uh, Anna and Max um, came to know the Lord um, a few years before we we ever met them. Uh, there was a there was a some teenagers that went over there on a. Hey, I'll tell you what, our time is slipping away. Briefly, tell me about the song "Orphan." You know, I, as we were waiting to pick go pick them up, we had we had to go over there, and then we had like a. a period of about two months that we were waiting. And I was thinking, after all God had done, Lord, you must really, really love these children, that you would bring us halfway across the world to come get them. And so that really was the premise of this next song. But I see another premise in it. A lot of believers feel like orphans, and they shouldn't, because they have the most loving father that wouldn't let anything interfere with his love for them. Let's hear orphan. Tearful faith and little lies As best she could she begged the skies For a dad and a mom A forever home A world away down on their knees Jesus give us eyes to see If you were leading us to this Then you will make a way for us Now she's here From halfway round the world Cause Jesus hears the orphan He is moving heaven and earth All for one little girl I heard Jesus calling Will you go and rescue her? All for one She's a woman now with grateful eyes With her husband thanks the skies A dad and a mom A forever home A world away down on their knees Jesus heard the faithful pleas That tell the little boy again How his legacy of love began John Waller went through a living hell when he was just a young boy. His mother 
suffered? How bad was your mother's depression, John, that you remember as a child? I remember my mom uh, sleeping all the time. Uh, I remember her having manic highs where she would go out and spend a lot of money and deep lows where she wouldn't get out of bed for days at a time. And, you know, just that's, that was kind of the normal for me. That's what I grew up with. Uh, she was on a lot of medication. And and your grandmother, same type of thing. So it was three generations. Doctor pronounces just because you, you got depressed over a girl (laughs) as a 12 year old, uh, that, uh, you've, uh, and your parents, say your your mother said he's got it and that was a word curse and it resulted in a 20-year battle with uh different medications uh so you get you get married um and uh you what, what is it fair to say uh, that you just accepted it as that's the way I am the rest of my life or did or did you really uh keep trying to be free um, you know, for years I accepted it. It was a lie for me. And, and, and that, you know, I kind of had that mentality that, you know, a lot of people have that, you know, Jesus saves us, you know, to go to heaven, but we got to pretty much live hell on earth, you know. And that was the mentality I had that that, that it would make for a good testimony, you know, that, that God and his grace gives me what I need to deal with it instead of give me what I need to be free from it. So at age 32, what you've been after your whole life, it looks like it's going to happen. Uh, you were uh, inspired by God at a young age to write music and to record. Uh, and, and now your big break, it's going to happen. And the deal fell through. But a couple came in your life and they moved in the supernatural of God. What did they do? I had not experienced someone, you know, people like this before who really moved in the supernatural and believed God for deliverance. Uh, at one of my lowest points of my life, you know, when my, it looked like my career was over, uh, my pursuit of Christian music had come to a halt. Uh, this couple, wonderful couple, comes into my life, uh, comes over to my house with my sister to minister to me and to pray over me. And uh, they prayed for my deliverance, anointed me with oil. The Holy Spirit came on upon me in a way that I'd never experienced before. And and I knew when they were done praying for my deliverance that something had happened. I didn't fully understand it, but I knew it was like something had broken off of me, and I could feel the weight of it uh, off. It was, go- it was gone. And, and, and it took me a while to understand that deliverance occurred. I just knew that God had done something and something lifted. Uh now, you, you at this point, you'd given up your uh, dream of music. Uh, you became a, a worship leader in a church. Uh, but when did it dawn on you, you no longer had depression? You no longer needed medicine? Right. It probably took probably five or six months. Um, because I, at that time, when, when, I, when they prayed over me, I continued to take the medication because I had no reason to think, okay, they were praying that I would be off medication. I just knew they were praying for my, my deliverance and my freedom. And the, the medication began to, uh, began to run out of it. And I, we moved to Colorado when I became the worship pastor. 
I, I wasn't under a doctor's care. And at that point, I had a decision to make. Was I going to try to find a doctor and continue to take this medicine? I, I just knew in my heart at that point I didn't need to. And so I didn't tell my wife. I, I just stopped taking well, It ran out, and I just decided not to ever get it filled again. And, uh, and then months and months went by before I looked at my wife and said, by the way, uh, God really did set me free. I have not taken medication in months. Now, what was her reaction? She was a little scared because she she had seen what I was like when I would miss medication for a few days at a time that it could be it could be very uh very dangerous and and it, it can be very dangerous for someone who's on these types of medication to just stop taking them um so I I would never advocate for someone to just stop taking their medicine I believe medicine medicine can certainly serve a purpose but I knew that my life had changed I knew that I didn't need it um and I weaned myself off of it, and I really tested, you know, what God had done. And God, had, it was definitely proven that, to me, that he really had set me free. Tell me about the song, I Know My God. You know, Sid, a lot of times, um, and over the years since my deliverance, you know, the enemy, he, he I was free from, uh, from his grip, but he always looks for an opportune time to come back and use his weapons against us, which are lies and persuasion. And, and the Bible talks about being tested for the word's sake. And so many people get physically healed. Then the symptoms come back and they roll over and play dead or the way you, you did. You lived with it. Well, the s- symptoms came back, but you don't have to live with it. Tell me more about the song. Well, I've had those moments. Like one night, I was in a hotel room, and, and this was uh, this is before we adopted, and 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 just these demonic forces. I sensed them coming on me, just coming at me with all these lies, trying to convince me. You know, you never were healed. You never were uh, set free from this. Uh, you should have been on medication this whole time. Uh, how are you going to take care of all these children you're about to adopt? You know, you don't have the money to do. All these lies came from every direction. And uh, and I was battling it, and I was standing against it. They were doing everything I knew to do to rebuke it, and but it was so strong. And, and, and finally, um, I went to sleep, um, and I woke up the next morning, and I had this thought that inspired this next song, I Know My God. <clears throat> and and I, that was it. I know my God. I don't know... What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't know how I'm going to uh, always get through this and that and the other, but I do know him, and I can trust him that he really did set me free, that he really does love me, that he does supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I can stand on these promises. You know, I believe that there's a supernatural anointing on this song for you to have your breakthrough in whatever area you need because— In Jesus' name, you know your God. When it seems like I am done 
looks like there's no way and the lies come like a flood oh i know my god so i set my eyes above and i realign my heart where my help comes from i trust cause i know my god
John Waller's music literally puts you in a demon-free zone. He has tapped into a frequency from heaven for deliverance. I want you to get his two new powerful CDs and the brand new DVD we did right in the It's Supernatural studio available for a gift of $45. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. John Waller, tell me someone that's heard your music. Uh, give me one example and was set free from depression. Uh, I shared my testimony uh, one night uh, at a small gathering of, of believers, and um, you know, a woman was there uh, who had battled with depression for years. And uh, I shared the testimony, and then I sang uh, the priestly blessing song, where I'd put several blessings in, into one song and, and just bless the people. And um, and she was uh, completely set free. And I, and I know this uh, person; I, I see this person on a regular basis, and she truly has been set free. And it's just remarkable to see that when you are set free from something, you're not set free just for you; you're set free for others. Uh, God gives you an anointing to do the same for others, and that's that's the kingdom. Now, uh, the couple that anointed you with oil uh, and the demonic stronghold broke off of your life, uh, they taught you about the priestly blessing. Uh, what did you think about it when you first heard their teaching? Well, I mean, it was, it was life, you know. It just—I had never really— uh, been taught about blessing before. I, uh, the, the extent of any blessing I got was you know, after I sneezed, you know, bless you, you know. That was about the extent of the blessing I got growing up as far as verbal blessing. Um, and so they they gave me some materials on it. Um, you know, a lot of what they learned about the blessing, actually, they learned from you, Sid. So uh, this is, I'm, I guess I would say I'm direct fruit of your ministry. Um, Once you began to understand the power behind the blessing. Uh, I, I, I understand you couldn't wait to bless your, your, every member of your family. Absolutely. And I've been blessing my kids ever since. Um, now, my, my younger kids, I have the benefit of uh, having been blessed right out of the womb. Um, my, our youngest son, Israel, was born uh, recently, and, uh, and as soon as you know, the nurse handed him to me, my older kids gathered around, and and I uh, I spoke the blessing over him, um, and then of course I sing the priestly blessing over my kids. But but there's not a not a day that goes by that I that I don't bless my kids. And now my adopted children, you know, are coming into this, and they're getting the full blessing and the full equal rights as my biological children. And that's an incredible picture of what the blessing uh, that God's done for us, how He's adopted us. You know, so well, well, you go a step further than just your own family. Many times you will just uh, impromptu, and like an impromptu thing, uh, just uh, sing blessings over people in a concert. I do that every concert, every chance I can. Um, I sing these blessings over people. And uh, do many people report back that their lives get changed, transformed? Yeah, absolutely. Tell, tell me one that comes to mind. 
Um, I think about a man um, up in New England. Um, uh, he came to one of my concerts, and um, and and I, then I then I ran into him um, about a year later. I, of course, I didn't meet him the night of the concert, but he came up to me a year later and said he attended a concert a year ago, uh, and that I had sang blessings, uh, the blessing over the over them, and and um, he said that he was set free from an addiction. Uh, to pornography that he had been addicted for years and that it was uh had taken a toll on his marriage and and that God had set him free from this uh this vice that the enemy had him under and um and it was through the power of the blessing well you know the worship uh DVD that we're going to be making available that was done in our it's supernatural studio you pr- sing this blessing over people. Uh, and I believe many people are going to be transformed from that. Uh, but uh, tell me about the song, Life is a Gift. You know, li- Life is a Gift, uh, I-, I wrote this song with my oldest son. Uh, I have a 16-year-old son. And, um, you know, it 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 just celebrates uh, uh, the gift of life through Jesus and that you know, life uh, that He gives us it comes with freedom. It comes with deliverance. It comes with healing. Um, and you know, it's it's just a celebration that 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 it, it is a gift that we don't deserve. We, yeah, no, most people take this for granted, but I see that you certainly don't. You you have uh, an attitude, as a friend of mine likes to say, you have an attitude of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Amen. I do. I, I'm very thankful. You know, I've been set free from a lot and uh, been forgiven much. And he who's been forgiven much loves much. And um, I know that I don't deserve it, but I am grateful and I'm thankful for the life that he's given me and that it is truly a gift that I cannot earn. Uh, well, for those people that are in Grumble Alley, I pray that the anointing of God would just make you come to your senses and you would have an attitude of gratitude with John Waller's song, Life is a Gift.
John, uh, you're provoking me to jealousy. Uh, many times when you do your live concerts, uh, you bless people uh, and you just sing a blessing. Can I impose upon you to do that right now? Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and raise his countenance on you and give you peace. And Lord make you like Ephraim and Manasseh, forgetting the troubles of your past and having a fruitful future. And may he bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, raise his countenance on you, and give you peace. Peace is shalom, and it means in Hebrew, completeness. John, how do you write your songs? How do you get these words? Uh, what's usually involved? You know, it can be a number of things. It, it, um, sometimes it's as simple as just reading the Word and, and getting revelation from it, you know, that's something that just ministers to me, and I think, you know, that's that's a song. That needs to be something that, that people can just digest it, you know, put it in a capsule where they can swallow it. All right, well, tell me from your, from your CD, uh, the song Epic, how did you get that? Mm. You know, interesting on that one, I, I actually uh, watched a, a YouTube video of... Uh, of, of Louis Giglio teaching on, you know, the, this, the greatness and the vastness of the universe and, and how big God truly is and because how, how big, this, big this universe is and how small we really are, how small this planet is. And, um, and, and really that was what inspired the song. I'm like, you know, God, how do you, how do you say, how can I say how big you are and put it into words? Uh, you know, words don't describe how big he is. And, and I've always loved the word epic. You know, epic is as big a word as I can think of in our uh, English vocabulary. And so I just wanted to write a song that just elevates God's bigness and how great and wonderful he is. You know, among so many songs about that, uh, um, I chose to write a song uh, called Epic. Well, let's hear Epic.
God, you are God, God, I am not all I can give, my lowly heart, glorious one. When I survey the world you have made, I lift Now, that was epic. If you love that music, you're going to love John Waller's two CDs and the special DVD of Worship Live at the It's Supernatural television studio. But I'm, I want you to know God. Why? Because Jesus said, this is eternal life that you may know me. So there's an anointing for you to know God on John Waller's song, I Know My God, but I want you to get the two CDs and the DVD available for a gift of $45. I Know My God. Above, and I realign my heart. 
heart where my help comes from I trust cause I know my God Hallelujah Hallelujah I know my God and He will save I know my God will not delay Hallelujah Hallelujah Oh what a Savior I know my God will hold me up Cause He's my rock and I will trust I know my God and no other Savior He's a shepherd To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.com.
www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.